0: Welcome to this edition, this next edition of What's the Story? My name is Joe Painter. It is a pleasure to share conversation with you here at the peoplechronicles.com. That is our platform, and I invite you to please make it a favorite on your computer or your ended device because you'll find some interesting, wonderful, inspirational, and poignant stories here. Today, I thought we would explore a little bit. We couldn't avoid it um ferguson it's all over the news so i reached out to two gentlemen uh in this community two gentlemen of distinction who graciously accepted the offer to come in and and share a discussion of what's going on in the city of reading Uh, reading police chief bill heim thank you for joining us
1: good day joe
0: good day to you and uh president of the naacp the reading chapter correct that's correct bill thompson is with us good to see you both again i appreciate your time
2: thanks for having us
0: um Ferguson. I really don't want to, in all honesty, dwell on Ferguson, because the entire nation is armchair quarterbacking, the incident itself. And and at this point, I'm thinking it doesn't serve a purpose anymore, and there's no point second-guessing that particular incident. But it certainly has served as a catalyst, if you will, for national discourse about two key issues. One is race relations, and the other one is police brutality and everybody has an opinion and I thought you know what here's the city of Reading that has some dubious distinctions you might say. I looked, I looked some things up and I, I think the latest uh, statistic was from September of last year. We're, we're still ranked the second poorest of American cities um, We're rated pretty high in crime, high in poverty um, and our breakdown, our population breakdown, is 48% white, 13% black, 58% Hispanic, and 1% Asian. So with those distinctions, we're doing something right here in the city of Reading. There has not been an explosion like that. There is not fear of our police department. There are not accusations of police brutality. Does that mean my head's in the sand and there aren't issues? No, it doesn't mean that. So if nothing else, rather than um, further analyze the incident in Ferguson, let's analyze what's going on in Reading and what are we doing. And can we start, please, at a meeting that happened last Thursday?
2: Well, I'd be more than happy to talk about the meeting which took place at Zion Baptist Church last Thursday. There were about 100 citizens in attendance, Um, What the NAACP did in working with the Reading Police Force is establish some coalescence, and we intend to maintain a partnership so that we can continue to address the public about what are reasonable expectations from the police and what can the citizenry do in order to help with policing their own neighborhoods. I think that's of vital importance because once we break down the insulation that exists, Um, And we create common understandings, then we're going to create a higher quality of life for everybody within the city of Reading.
1: for
0: those listening, we're just listening to Bill Thompson's take on that meeting. Did you organize that as president of the NAACP uh, Reading chapter?
2: Myself and our vice president, Robert Jefferson, met with mm-hmm. police chief Himes, and we decided that it was time to do this several weeks before the incident in Ferguson took place.
0: Thank you for that distinction. I thought perhaps it was uh, reactionary to the incident. So th- that's one thing happen in Red- happening here in Reading, and that is um, proactive initiatives. Is that it fair to say? Bill Heims? You're the police chief, and uh, that's that's a big job. It's it's a big job to keep the peace and keep the dialogue open. Is that the attempt there?
1: Well, you know, first I think this is a really great community, and despite the dubious distinct distinctions that you mentioned, I think also Reading is a it's a city of hope, mm-hmm. and it's a city of people who are trying really hard to get more positive distinctions. With yes. the city So I think the police department represents that too I, I don't think we have any issues With let me call it Institutional racism mm-hmm. Where there is a Constant undercurrent of um, You know schism between police And the minority community So I, I think that uh, You know the neighborhood meetings that we have On a pretty regularly basis um, The proactive interactions that we've had with organizations such as the NAACP and Hispanic Center, I think has have kind of prevented us from having any of the major issues that we've seen in, in other cities. But, you know, then again, we haven't had an, an incident that triggered any kind of really adverse reactions, and, and hopefully we won't.
0: When you say that, I guess you're acknowledging that human nature, any time, any town, USA, an incident can happen.
1: Yes, I, I, I think so. And, and I don't think truly um, we've been tested. And That's
0: probably a really fair statement. And, and we thank God for that. Yes. And I have to believe it's not all luck. I have to believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, that some of the reason we haven't been tested is because of the two things both of you talked about, the ongoing meetings, the open dialogue, the willingness um, for an organization like the NAACP to work with the police and the willingness for the police department to work in communities. Do you think that's helped?
2: Well, a- absolutely. I mean, we have to maintain ongoing public dialogue about the issues that are so prevalent. And we're talking about matters related to human nature. Yes. As we discussed prior to uh, the taping here, um, you know, human nature is such a hostility begets hostility. So if we recognize the commonalities that exist between the citizenry and the police, the police are just people, too. And they're put in a situation where... You know, although they're walking into matters that are already heated, you know, people Mm -hmm. are feeling a sense of duress, you know, they're they're put in a position where they're going to intervene, hopefully nullify tensions. But the reality is sometimes those hostilities get the best of things and matters escalate. Now, much to the credit of Police Chief Himes and his constant focus on procedural justice, I believe that many of his officers recognize the importance to treat people with a common dignity and a modicum of uh, civility, and that helps to diffuse matters rather quickly rather than seeing them escalate.
0: Procedural justice. You talk about that, Bill. Chief Himes. How do you identify or, or um, define procedural justice? What what procedures are followed?
1: It's probably a uh, something that's been around for a long, long time. But it, as you know, people come up with these ideas and then they they put a label on them. And procedural yeah. justice is something that, in the last few years, has started to sweep the nation in return in terms of uh, the way police treat people. And basically, it means that it's. Not enough, perhaps, to do the right thing as far as policing, as as far as uh, patrolling and and making an arrest and uh, dealing with with people. But you have to deal with people in a way that they believe that they're being treated fairly, equally, and that their voices are heard, even in situations where uh, the result might not be good situations where somebody is arrested taken out of a home that kind of thing so theory is that uh you know police are viewed as legitimate when they use their authority judiciously and that police can get a favorable reaction when they treat people fairly even if the result is not what people wanted to see in the first place
0: can we get to, that's 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 a good practice. Can we get to um, maybe a specific, and I don't mean a name or a place or a date. Um, there's lots of information going out around there. And I guess that there's images. Pictures say a thousand words. And there are images of a, a police force armed to the hilt. And, and they're armed with, um, a, you know, assault rifles and, and the the tanks and the anti-mine things. And it's my understanding that um, the, the government, the federal government, is, is taking supplies, essentially, from the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, and, and these are extras, and dispersing them to local police departments. And there's one police department, I believe it was in Seattle, where uh, the director of that police department said his biggest regret was that he accepted those items because then he used them in, in an environmental protest. And it just all went bad. So does that kind of show of force affect procedural justice? Tilt oh. the image and, and the perception and the comfort level of both police and citizens?
1: That's a really great question. And I, I think it does. I think police need some of that equipment to keep everybody safe. And, and and I don't think it'd be good for the federal government not to make use of that equipment domestically. But I do think it has to be used appropriately. And, and you know, most of us don't have a need for that very often at all. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. <laughs> so, you know, the equipment has to be maintained, but it pretty much lays fallow. So I, I think sometimes the uh, the inclination is let's take it out into the community is kind of a – a training exercise but like you say when you take it out to uh, a protest uh, some, a peaceful gathering even though it's just sitting there doing nothing it, it does have that aura about it that might make people feel uncomfortable or that uh, it's too militarized and, um, and I actually agree with that I, I think we have to be very careful about using that equipment for uh, instances where they're it's not likely to be needed at all and is more likely to have an adverse effect.
0: You're listening to What's the Story. My name is Joe Painter and we'll be back uh, with more on the issues of racism, police brutality, and how it is handled so um, well in the city of Reading, an example for other cities like the city of Reading across the nation.